Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Thank you for that powerful worship. But today, hypocrites are on the menu. Hypocrites and the highway to God. But specifically today, we're going to speak about proximity and choosing hypocrisy. And so we kick this off with a question. The question is, are you close with God? I mean, like really, are you so close to God that God's words are manifested through your actions. If you never told anyone about your belief in Jesus, would they be able to know through your actions that you are, in fact, a Jesus follower? I'm talking close, not simply holding a Bible or having the Bible app downloaded on your phone, but close, so close that you allow God to transform you. So close that you allow God to prune you, to increase you, and even clean you. This closeness can sometimes hurt. This type of closeness is in fact costly. This type of closeness is about God, and guess what, it's not about your comfort. So I ask you again, are you close with God? Some of us are near God's word, but God's word is not near our hearts. So let's learn today about some religious leaders who were close in proximity to the law of God, but fell prey, just like many of us, to choosing hypocrisy. From Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 22. Now, I'm going to remind you, being a hypocrite is something that we all suffer from. We all have these little characteristics inside of our hearts where we say one thing and do another. So please don't think I'm throwing shade or a shot at you. But in fact, I'm just helping you as well as myself to become a better Jesus follower today and every day. And so we're camping out in the book of Matthew. You see, Matthew, he was a Jesus follower who records communication that was given inside of the temple. However, right now, Jesus is dropping some serious wisdom, and he's pointed that wisdom directly to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the political and the religious group at the time of Jesus, but yet they're not alone. He's also speaking to the scribes. The scribes were the quote-unquote experts of the law. They were so great in laws and regulations, and they were very detail-oriented, but we will travel today through Matthew 23 and learn all about them. And you're going to notice a word that is repeated quite often. And it's the word woe. <laughs> it is this word woe. This literally means disaster is on the way for those who choose not to listen to the warnings of God. We're going to notice four woes today. And we're going to examine four woes next week. 
And we are going to learn that our hearts must be entangled with Jesus. Rather than just simply knowing facts about God, we are called to literally experience God and allow God to lead us. And so my friends, proximity, being close, but still choosing hypocrisy. We notice some characteristics of a hypocrite found in the 13th through the 15th verse of Matthew 23. And what we see is hypocrites who attempt to hide in plain sight. <laughs> hypocrites who attempt to hide in plain sight. You see, to hide in plain sight means to carry out an agenda in such a way that only the group who is a part of the agenda-based group have knowledge that this agenda is even being furthered. We see this today in our world through the actions of racism. We notice this in our world, even the way some organizations are ran. And we even see it by those who attempt to conceal their hatred, yet all of a sudden the hatred becomes audible. You see, these three things, racism, some organizations and how they're ran and even hatred are things that many people try to hide in plain sight. But yet that's not the only three things. It's in Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 15, where we notice the Pharisees and the scribes attempted to do the same thing. But great Jesus, he addressed these issues. Listen to his words. Jesus said, but woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you, re you will receive greater condemnation." Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Jesus here, he uses three woes to show these teachers and religious leaders that they may be attempting to hide in plain sight, but they cannot hide from God. You see, God notices how they are making up rigid man-made rules and forcing people to follow them. God sees these religious leaders and teachers that they are praying these extremely long prayers one minute, but the next second they are taking advantage of widows. You see, God is aware of these leaders doing whatever it takes to gain one believer. But yet once that person becomes a believer, they feed them these man-made rigid rules, teach them a lot of man-made untruths, and even feed them untruths characteristics of God. Jesus is putting these believers and these leaders on blast. And he is saying to them, guess what? I see you. Jesus is saying, you're attempting to hide in plain sight, but check this. I see you. And you may be sitting there viewing this and saying, I don't understand why the people of Jerusalem would ever allow themselves to be led by people like this. You know, I felt that way when I first read it, but yet I began to dig more into the context of what was happening in the scripture. And you see, during this time, Israel's life centered around its relationship with God. 
You see, the religious leaders of this time period were extremely powerful and were respected by many. You didn't go against these leaders. They had so much power and people trusted them so much that whatever they said, nobody verified it. And yet, because Jesus is so all-knowing, he sees more than what people see. You see, Jesus sees that although these leaders pretended to be devoted, they were in fact intoxicated by their hunger for power. They were intoxicated by their need for money. They were intoxicated by their need for status, and they were intoxicated by the increasing respect that they desired. These leaders attempted to hide their lack of morals and hidden secrets, and Jesus comes through preaching and revealing it all. But please, don't hear the details of this context and say, hmm, I'm glad that's not me because I don't do those type of things. Allow me to kick you off of your pride horse for a moment because God also sees our hidden lives. You see, God sees the lies we tell, but also the lies we live. God knows the full situation even when we attempt to reveal only part of the situation. God views the seed of pride that's in our hearts that grows up into a tree of pride and stands in the way of us hearing the voice of God clearly. God sees what we conceal even when we attempt to hide our truth in plain sight. Friends, I understand that the Pharisees and the scribes were a bit messed up and the Lord used a bunch of woes, but I want you to know that as he looks over our lives, I'm sure the Lord is sitting high in heaven saying woe to us as well. But in case you need more proof that we cannot hide anything from God, flip over to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. And this one verse tells us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. But it was also in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24, where we find this. The Lord is speaking. Can a man or woman hide themselves in hiding places so that I do not see them? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. The Lord is telling us that hide and seek is a great game to play with your friends, but it's not a realistic game to play with God. You see, and when I think about how we all play this game of hiding ourselves and the lies we live and tell to God, I think back to this week when a young man revealed much of his faith story to me. And he started telling me about a time in his life where he got the bright idea when he was in the first grade to go up to his teacher's desk and steal a pencil. Of all things, a pencil. He said what gave him the motivation to steal this pencil was because he had noticed all his classmates steal something one day from the teacher's desk. And the next day when the teacher wasn't looking, they would replace what they had stolen the day before. He said this gave him a quite a big rush. And he said, I need to join in on this fun. And so it was a Monday, he told me. He walked up. The teacher said, hey, hold that thought. I need to make some copies. Well, he was already at the desk, so what did he do? He looked to the left, he looked to the right, took two pencils and put it in his pocket. Well, as he turned around, he didn't know, but the teacher was right there behind him, and she asked, excuse me, what are you doing? He said, I began to try to utter something. My mouth was moving, but words were not coming out. She said, well, 
Give me back what you have just shoved into your pocket and you now have a date with the principal. (laughs) You see, what's so funny about this is God is somewhat like this teacher and we are just like this young brother where we like to do things in secret, but all of a sudden we have to realize that God sees it all. We like to do things in secret, but God is sitting high looking low and saying, whoa, I see you. My friends, I want you to understand that the teacher literally was standing outside the room waiting for the right time to see who was stealing from her. (laughs) And I want you to know today, friends, that this is a cute story, but Christ does the same thing. Christ sees us when we lie. Christ sees us when we hide. Christ sees us when we feel like we have it all together, but we're faking because we don't. And I want you to understand that the Lord doesn't want your pretending life, but the Lord wants your authentic life. And so why won't you just keep it 100 with God? That's exactly what the Lord is telling the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, listen, stop lying and pretending. And instead, start asking God, God, will you form me more into your image? God, will you transform my speech and my actions so that my life can reflect you? We can't truly run from God. And we definitely cannot hide from God. You see, we see right now hypocrites, they attempt to hide the truth in plain sight. But yet in verses 16 through 22, we are going to notice hypocritical myths dispelled. It's in verses 16 through 22 where we notice many myths. And a myth, in case you do not know, is a fictitious story, place, or thing. You see, the religious leaders at this time and the supposedly experts of the law took the truth of God and distorted that truth in many ways. You see, they obeyed about half of the law. That's okay, right? (laughs) They obeyed about half of the law, emphasizing many details while neglecting more important details such as justice, mercy, and love. You see, Pharisees, however, they had some good things about them. They were really known for their generosity. I mean, they would give a lot. But in many instances, this generosity came at a price. It came at the price of furthering the agenda and ideals of the Pharisees. Yet on the other hand, the good scribes. They were what is called kind of the public secretaries who were in charge of copying the law back in ancient times. They were the ones who copied documents by hand. Can you believe that? Hmm. There was no word. It was their hands. But because they were so close to the law, having to write it by hand, they viewed themselves as experts and teachers of this sacred law. You see, scribes were detail-oriented, and they would become so hung up on the details that they believed that if there were some gray areas of the law, they could, in fact, insert certain portions of the law with their opinions. This was a very dangerous no-no. This was a distorted view of the law, and guess what? This led many people astray. And so Jesus is a bit angry at the moment. And in verses 16 through 22 of chapter 23, Jesus says again in familiar fashion, woe to you blind guides who say whoever swears by the temple that is nothing, 
but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that the sacrifices come from on the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Friends, I know, just take a deep breath with me and breathe it out. I know. They were talking around in circles in verses 16 through 22, talking about just riddles. Riddle me this and riddle me that. It was really like that, right? But that was Jesus showing how crazy and how many mythical riddles that the Pharisees and scribes would tell others and try to make them follow it. You see, Jesus is coming through and he's dispelling all of these myths that the Pharisees and the scribes have pushed out to society. You see, the Pharisees and scribes in hypocritical, perplexing fashion would often speak in myths and offer half-truths that frankly just did not add up. However, Jesus shares that this is totally wrong. Jesus shares that you cannot place your opinion on the word of God. Jesus shares you cannot change the word of God to make you feel good and to further your agenda. God already has a mission. God already has an agenda. It's to seek and to save every bit of us who is lost. That's the goal. You see, Jesus is speaking truth to power at this time. He's tearing up myths, saying to all of us that we must digest all of God's word. I know there may be some tension here in hearing this because we live in a world where each of us would like to define and decide what is true for us rather than to accept the truth corporately. Therefore, a lie can be a truth depending on who you ask, right? But great Jesus is saying, no, that's not the case. God's word is truth. And we are to follow it, not sift it. We are to follow God's word, not distort it. See, look at a few scriptures with me to show the trustworthiness of God's word. It's in Psalm 119, verse 160, where the psalmist tells us that the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. You hear that? God's word is truth. But yet even Jesus, the, the word that came down to dwell among us in his priestly prayer of John 17 and 17. These are Jesus's words. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And in the words of the ancient believer, Augustine, he once said, when I found truth, there I found my God, who is the truth itself. For us to become close to God. We must shed our love for saying one thing and doing another. For us to become close to God, we must ask God for new eyes and a new vision that we may see the world as God sees it. 
For us to become close to God, we must apply the truth of God's word, even the uncomfortable parts to our lives. For us to become close with God, we must bathe in the truth of God's promises and not give in to what is known as circumstantial Christianity, where our faith ebbs and flows depending on the situation that's happening at the moment. But as we prepare to leave together today, I'm reminded of a story that Dr. Howard Thurman would tell about his grandmother. His grandmother lived by a lady next door who could not stand his grandmother's guts. His grandmother hadn't really done anything wrong. She was quite a believer, would pray often, but this lady just did not like her. She had so much disdain for Howard's grandmother that she would often shovel chicken manure into his grandmother's yard. And one day, this neighbor who did not like Howard's grandmother, she fell ill. Howard's grandmother came in the house and said, Howard, gather your belongings. We're going to go to the hospital to visit my good next door neighbor. Before they could get into their car to go to the hospital, she gathered some flowers from her yard. Howard is looking at his grandmother in perplexing fashion, wondering, why in the world are you going to visit someone who hates your guts? But yet, as they got into the hospital and approached the room, this neighbor saw the person that she disliked so much, and she said, what are you doing here? And, ooh, those are some beautiful flowers. I know you can't afford those flowers. So where did you get them from? Howard's grandmother looked at him and looked at the neighbor and smiled. And she said, you are so right. I came here to visit you. And you're right, I can't afford these flowers. They're way above my pay grade. But thanks to the chicken manure you lovingly placed in my yard, you helped cultivate these flowers. And so they are for you. You see, how was grandmother being the believer that she was? She chose not to meet ugliness with ugliness nor hate with hate. I'm sure she was tempted to be just as mean as the neighbor was exhibiting, but yet what she chose to do was to meet hatred with love. And I love what Howard's grandmother did because as she made hatred with love, she fought the tendency that resides inside of all of us, and that's the tendency to sometimes be a hypocrite where we believe and say one thing and do another. Friends, I want you to learn from Howard's grandmother because she teaches us that there are times in our life where even when we don't feel like it, even when people don't deserve it, we should still give the love of God to them. And so my friends, I want to ask you, will you remain close to God when your circumstances change? Will you remain close to God even when people change? God never walks away from us. We choose in many ways to walk away from God. We learn today from the Pharisees and the scribes who were close in knowledge to God, but the evidence of their relationship with God did not translate into their real life actions. I challenge each of you today to not simply learn facts about God, but to apply those facts and those truths to your life that you may be better instead of just someone who knows about God. Friends, our together takeaway that we've learned today with four great woes is this. Closeness to God 
involves us releasing our agendas, our myths, and secrets so that God may reside in our hearts. Friends, I want to pray for you even right now because I know it's hard, especially living in the world that we live in. It's hard and it's always tempting to give a person a piece of your mind, to let a person say, hey, you said the wrong thing. You don't maintain the view I have. And we can easily find ourselves saying one thing and doing another. But it's right now that we must be convicted of this hypocritical tendency. So let's pray together. Gracious God, help us, God, to believe in you before our actions to model your word. Help us, God, to not give in to the tension of society, but rid us, God, of all the tension and let us even meet hate with love. Help us, God, to not be hypocrites, but help us, God, to follow the highway to God. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, if by chance you do not know Christ, I want to invite you right now to email altogether at spdl.org and one of our team members would love to walk you through what it means to know Christ as you can open up your heart to Christ today. But friends, also, if by chance you would love to sow into this ministry, feel free to do so by going to spdl.org and there's a giving option located there. Remember, friends, God doesn't desire for us to be hypocrites, but God does desire that we follow the highway to God. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.